Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. So we, we, we are going to be doing a, a series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the in the coming weeks uh, and then uh, uh, we will also be having some of the people from uh, from our fivefold ministers preaching as well in the coming weeks because we believe in the priesthood of all believers and we want to to see in the church uh, every gift being used and being ministering effectively. But, but today we want to, to introduce the topic of the Holy Spirit. And actually introduce it uh, within a context of the Holy Trinity. So we'll start in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, yeah, 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. We'll just stop there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is the principle that we want to establish before we start. As we introduce who the Holy Spirit is. And we want to start by saying that the Holy Spirit is the third person within the Trinity. And we want to say that the Holy Spirit himself, he is God. Hallelujah. In, in, in verse 1 of Genesis, the Bible introduces God or God the Father. It says, in the beginning, God created. So it, it, it introduces also a time frame called the beginning. And we say, for somebody to be God, they must have existed, you know, before the beginning started. Number two, for somebody to be God, they must have existed before creation. Hallelujah. And we see the Holy Spirit passing those two tests. That he was there before the beginning. And that he was there before creation. Because in verse 2, the Bible says, the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the earth on the face of the waters. So before verse 3 came into pass, where, where God created the light, 
or where God started with the process of creation the Holy Spirit already existed so we see in, in verse 1 and verse 2 we see God who is also known as God the Father who is also known as Jehovah that he also existed. And then we also see the second person in the Godhead. Or the third person in the Godhead. That he already existed before the beginning and before creation. So he passes the test of being called God. Because he was not created but he existed before creation and before time began just before the first second of the earth he already existed so he passes the test to be a God hallelujah John chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 John chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 introduces us to the second person in the Trinity. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will make this assumption that uh, you know that the word is Jesus Christ. So when the Bible says in the beginning was the word, it refers to Christ. And he says the word was with God. Or in other words, the word was with God the Father. Or the word was with Jehovah. And the word was God. Hallelujah. So in the beginning, so this verse you can also read it in this way. That in the beginning was the Christ. And the Christ was with God. And the Christ was God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Christ also passes the test of being called God. Because in the beginning, before time began, he was there. He was not created. He was there. And the Bible says he was with God. Meaning he was with the Father. Or he was with Jehovah. And the Bible says he was God. So Jesus is also God. So our God is God three in one. He is God the Father. He is God the Son and He is God the Holy Spirit. And we want to introduce the Holy Spirit within that context. That 
He also existed before time existed. He was there in the beginning. Just as the word was there in the beginning. Even the spirit of God was there in the beginning. In verse 3 of, of John, he says, all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Hallelujah. So Christ is also a creator. Because all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. So he was part of the process of creation. Also the spirit was part of the process of creation. Because we read in Genesis 1.26 where God the Father or God Jehovah says he says to the, to, to the Son and the Holy Spirit he says let us create men in our image. Let us make man in our own likeness. It was the Father talking to the Son and the Holy Spirit. Saying, let us make man in our image. So mankind is made in the image of the Father. And mankind is made in the image of the Son. And mankind is made in the image of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. First John chapter five verse seven. Chapter five verse seven. Some some Bibles will not have this verse. So you you must uh, buy a Bible that has this verse. First John chapter five verse seven. Yes, that verse yes, <laughs> For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, the three bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And the three are one. And that's where we get the teaching or the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Start. And I, I know the word Trinity is not in the Bible. But we are trying to describe who our God is. That he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Christ understood this oneness. That's why he said to the disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because he understood that he is one with the Father. He does not contradict the Father. He has got the fullness of the Godhead in him. He knows who he is in God. That's why in Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5 and 6 the Bible says let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus who himself knew that he was God but he humbled himself and took on the stature of a man Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because he knew that he was one with God. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is one with God. Because the three are one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we wanted to introduce the Holy Spirit in that manner. And, and we are going to close in, in, in five minutes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, we want to introduce the Holy Spirit in that manner. And also show how the, 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 the role that the Holy Spirit played in our salvation. But within the context of the Trinity. For a lack of a better word. When mankind had sinned against God. God had to come up with a plan to save mankind. And we see that the Father played a role in our salvation. And we see that the Son played a role in our salvation. And that the Holy Spirit played a role in our salvation. We read in John chapter 3 verse 16. And we see the role of the Father in our salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, that he may die for us that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we see the role of the father that he was moved by love when sin had separated us from him or from fellowship with the Godhead. He did not want to leave us in a state where we were. But his love for us caused us to, to do something to save us. And what we see is that God the Father sent the Son that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would be saved and would not perish. So we see the role of the father 
that compelled by love he sent the son to come and die for us. And why must he die for us? Because the Bible tells us that the reward or penalty for sin is death. So for, for our death to be taken, for our, for our sins to be taken away, somebody had to die for us. So the father, we see that he sent the son that the son might die for us. And when we hear this kind of a gospel, I believe this is the gospel that was preached yesterday as the saints were preaching in Zanspray, telling the people the good news that they don't have to die in their sins, that Jesus died for their sins, and that they must believe in this Jesus so that they will not perish and that they will have eternal life. Hallelujah. So we see both the role of the father and the role of the son. That the father loved us so much that he gave his only begotten to die for us on the cross. And we see Jesus coming and, and, and going to the cross. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that he, he was compelled as well that he looked beyond the shame of the cross so that he will go to the cross and pay the price for us. Because in as much as God the Father is a loving God, he is also a just God. When sin has been committed, a penalty has to be paid. And the penalty is paid in Christ Jesus. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our penalty and our guilt is paid in Christ. And when we stand one day before the Father, who is the judge of all the world, he will not declare us guilty, but he will say to us, you are free. Your sins are forgiven given. There is no record of your sins. There is no charge against you. All is forgiven. Just because of our faith in Christ. Because God is a just God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we see the role of the Christ. That his role was to go to the cross. And die for us on the cross. So we see the Holy Trinity working in unison, in harmony, and working as one. To achieve our salvation. And let's read John chapter 16, verse 7. Where we see the Holy Spirit coming into the picture. 
I want to read it in the amplified classic version of the Bible. John chapter 16. Johannes chapter 16. Verse 7. Verse 7. The Bible says, However, I am telling you nothing but the truth. When I say it is profitable, it is good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, the helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Hallelujah. 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 The father was moved by love and sent the son. And the son, after he had died for us on the cross, after he had paid the price for us, he's saying to us, if I depart, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. So the father sent the son the son sent the Holy Spirit. And that is how the, 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 the Trinity worked in achieving our salvation. And the three work as one. For the Bible says the three are one. And the three work in harmony. It's like they pass the baton one to another so that they can achieve our salvation. That the Father would send the Son and the Son would send the Holy Ghost. But I like where it says it is to your advantage that I depart. You see, the, 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 the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they understand what they call in law jurisdiction, their own place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Christ says to us, I will depart so that I make room for the third person in the Godhead. I don't want to fight for space with him. I want to give him his room because I have played my role. So it is important that I depart and make room for the third person in the Godhead. Because the three work as one. If you've seen Christ, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Christ, you've seen the Holy Ghost. Because the three are one. And Christ says, it is to your advantage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, if you know the sport of tennis... There is a, a, a time where uh, one player will have an advantage. The referee will say, advantage to you. 
So in tennis, when you have an advantage, is the most powerful position that you can have. Because as you are playing and you are contesting for points, when you are at an advantage, two things are going to happen. If you win the point, when you are at an advantage, then you win the set or the match. But if you lose the point, when you are at an advantage, then it is a draw. So, when you are at an advantage, in tennis, you cannot lose. If you lose, it's only a draw. If you win, you win the match. So, it's an important uh, position when they declare that it is advantage to you. So in the same way, as children of God, the judge pronounces and says it is to your advantage that I must depart so that the Holy Spirit must come. So the Holy Spirit gives the believer an advantage in life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So because of the Holy Ghost, we cannot lose in life. We can only have a draw if it's worse. But when we advance, it's a win. So it is to our advantage. A lot of things that we do, it's because we have an advantage. Because we have the comforter. We we have the helper. We have the counselor. We have the advocate who is with us. So we have an advantage in life because of the Holy Ghost. He has put us into a position of advantage because the judge of all the world has declared advantage to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has declared, he says, advantage to you. It is to your advantage. When we read it in the Amplified Classic Version, it says, it is profitable to you that I should live. If, if you are a business person, you, you understand the language of profit. For instance, that you, you will go and buy product, let's say a China mall. You buy them at a wholesale price. And then you sell them at a retail price. And the difference between the retail price and the wholesale price is what we call a profit. That was economics 101. Economics 101. Free of charge. <laughs> 
So, 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 so the Bible says it is profitable that you should that I should depart so that the Holy Spirit should come. So that he puts you at a place where you are profitable. Every business that is not profitable is going to close down. But businesses that operate from generation to generation like KFC and Coca-Cola. It's because they are profitable. And that's why they exist. And Christ says to us, He says, I'm going to put you into a position where it will be profitable for you. And it's because of the Holy Ghost. He makes a believer to be profitable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are going to close. Acts chapter 2. Verse 1 to 4. Verse 1, you go for. And then we'll jump over to verse 38 to, to 39. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Verse 38 to 39. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Hallelujah. 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 So in, 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 in Acts chapter 2, it was when the, 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 the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit was being fulfilled. The Bible says when Pentecost had fully come. Now Pentecost is 50 days from the resurrection of the Christ. So on a Sunday when Christ rises from the dead, he spends time, he starts interacting with some of his disciples. And he spends time with the disciples as well. At one point, the Bible says he appeared to the disciples. At certain time, the disciples had gone on fishing and he made breakfast for them. It was some of those days before he ascended. And then he ascended on high. But from the time 
of his resurrection to the time of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It was 50 days. And it was when, when the Bible says the day of Pentecost had come and, and they were all in one accord. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God was poured out. And he came as a sound from heaven. As a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And, and, and the people who were there thought that the disciples were drunk. But Peter started to preach and explain to them. And that we and says to them, we are not drunk. But we've just been filled with the Holy Ghost. And he explained to them in verse 38. He says, you must repent first. And be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ. Or in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because the three are one. So he could have as well said, be baptized in the name of the Father. Or you could have said, be baptized in the name of the Holy Ghost. Or you could have said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Because the three are one. And he says, for the forgiveness of your sins. And he says, you shall then receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he says, remember, there was a promise. And this promise is to you and your children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is talking to the people in Jerusalem. He's saying there is a promise that God will pour out the, the Holy Ghost. He will give the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says to the people of Israel, he says the promise is to you and your children. And then he adds some of us. And he says, and to all all who are afar off, referring to you and me. He says, as many as the Lord will call. So when the Lord calls us, when we hear the preaching of the gospel, and we receive Christ in our lives, we have just put ourselves in a position. We have just qualified ourselves to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because the gift of the Holy Ghost is to Israel and the children and to those who are far off as many as the Lord will call. Oh. Hallelujah. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Then we close it. A good preacher closes at least 10 times. Uh, <laughs> Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Verses 28. This is where the promise uh, was given. This is the, the prophecy about the Holy Ghost. So when, when Peter was saying the promise was given, 
He's referring to Joel chapter 2 verse 28. And that's where we're going to land it this morning. The Bible says, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the promise that Peter was referring to. It was prophesied by Joel about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that it shall come to pass afterward. I'm interested in the, the, the time frame afterward because he's referring that a, a, a series of events must first happen before the Holy Ghost is poured out. Because Christ also says to us, he says, I must depart and then I will send the Holy Ghost. So afterwards refers to a series of events that started with the coming of the Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ. So after the ascension of Christ, then the Holy Ghost will be poured out. So when Joel is saying it shall come to pass afterward, he's referring to the series that ended with the ascension of the Christ. That the Christ will ascend into heaven and afterward the Spirit of God will be Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand on our feet. We will continue next time talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. And then, then we will pray with regard to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But for today, this way, we are closing it. Precious Father, I want to thank you. Your word is alive. 